0: Hi, and welcome to Recovered, a podcast from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas, and known by many as Maggie's. My name is Stephanie, and I'm a recovered alcoholic on staff at the Magdalene House. Each week, I have the pleasure of conducting a live interview with an alcoholic woman in recovery for the participants who are currently in our Next Step program. Whether you're in recovery yourself, contemplating giving it a try, or just supporting someone who is, we are so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Welcome to our podcast live stream series, Recovered Interviews with Alcohol Equipment. And so if I have any new ladies on, my name is uh, Stephanie Crawford and I am the program manager here at Next Step. And so I get to come on once or twice a week and host and lead a podcast stuff with you and workshop stuff with you. And sometimes I'm even as lucky as to be able to do a, a morning check-in with you guys. Uh, so it is my honor to be here with you all this morning. So if you have not done one of these before, this is our interactive interview for our podcast series Recovered. So you can listen to any other past episodes on Spotify, Apple podcast, or anywhere you listen to your podcast at. Today's guest, we have uh, Miss Abby A, and she came recommended from Patrice. You guys know Patrice. Uh, so she recommended Abby, um, and so grateful to have you on, Abby. I have heard about you. I know that you're involved in um, a group in McKinney, and, um, and so even if I this is my first time meeting you, I've definitely heard of you before. So thank you for spending your morning with us. First question is always, um, if you can just give us some background information about yourself and what led you to getting sober and to qualify yourself for the women and for our listeners.
1: Okay. I did hear Patrice recommended me and how cool is that? I did not know. Awesome. Hi. Hi, sweetie. I was at ODAP this morning. My name is Abby Andrews and I'm an alcoholic. My sobriety date is May 7th, 1995. And for that, I am so grateful. The idea I think I'm supposed to share with you is what it was like, why I decided to come in. Okay. Yes. So what it was like is it sucked. Um, <laughs> I know that step one talks about two parts, the uh, the inability and the powerlessness and, um, and the unmanageability. And so I will tell you that I came in at 26 years of age and uh, what it was like is it was a whole lot of fun until it stopped being fun, until it stopped working. Um, and I think that's where some people get sidetracked in the, you know, in the fellowship and we tell, you know, we tell the fish stories or whatever. So there were some fun times out there and I have a, a ton of them just like everybody else. And I don't know the day or the time that I crossed that that imaginary or that invisible, not imaginary invisible line and became an alcoholic. I don't know if I was a heavy drinker or a moderate drinker ever. I don't know. And I'll tell you something else I don't know that I found very interesting in early recovery. I remember reading um, at the beginning of the book, The Doctor's Opinion, and I remember asking my sponsor about uh, genetics versus environmental, and I'm probably the only one that worries about this, but I grew up in an era where, you know, my parents had a wet bar in the house, and um, alcohol was a way to entertain. It was not necessarily something that th- we have so much awareness about the disease concept today that we didn't necessarily have when I was growing up, and I remember asking Cindy Luhu about genetic versus environmental, And she said, you know, like everything, I'm not going to answer that question for you. You go home, you pray about it. And when we talk next week, let me know what you come up with. And um, I did. I did exactly what my sponsor told me. I highly recommend that. And uh, I came back a week later and she said, okay, what you decide is, uh, you know, are you alcoholic because it's of uh, genetics or are you alcoholic because of the environment? And I said, I decided that I still don't know. And it really doesn't matter how I got here. It just matters that I am one. I got here. Let's go. And so um, that was a great place to start. What happened uh, in a nutshell, and, and I don't want to bore you. I mean, I've, I'll talk for hours and hours about me. I'm an alcoholic. I'm all I think about. But <laughs> what happened was, as I woke up on the morning of May 7th, 1995, I had I had done a lot of the crazy and a lot of the log that so many of us had, and I was bleeding from every orifice of my body. And I got up, as most of us do, to go to the bathroom first thing in the morning, and, uh, and I couldn't get up. And um, I fell to the floor on my hands and knees. I crawled into the bathroom. There was a lot of blood. And, and mind you, I'd already been to the hospital before. I, I already knew that I had issues, if you will. The ER doc had said that I had more s- holes than I did stomach lining. And that was part of the problem. I know that I'm not the only one that's done physical damage to our bodies. And uh, anyway, so went to the bathroom, lots of blood, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't. And, um, for me, my experience is I hit that turning point. I was gifted that moment of clarity, unlike any other I'd ever had before, that I knew that no matter what, I could not live one more day the way I was living. I, the, the, all bets were off. I, I didn't care if I, if, if I was above ground. Some people call that suicidal I just, uh, I just didn't care. And I did what um, I, what I've done before. I said, God help me. God help me. But I meant it. And, um, and I didn't know a single thing about Alcoholics Anonymous. I didn't know a single thing about recovery. I didn't even know a single person. I'd never heard of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've never heard of the disease concept. In fact, my knowledge of this was, and um, there was a black and white commercial that used to come on late at night called for Ship Charter. And uh, their tagline was, if you don't get help here, get help somewhere. So that's it. That's everything I knew about the disease, the concept, the recovery, the solution. And um, like anything else, what I did was when I didn't know the answer, I made one up. And what I made up that morning was Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd heard it somewhere. I didn't know. I crawled on my hands and knees. I got the uh, yellow pages out of the closet. I looked up the meeting located closest to where I was, and I called the number. And for some reason, I instantly became became someone's secretary, and you know, used my best secretary voice and said, "Yes, I'm calling to inquire about your meeting schedule." And uh, this ridiculous voice on the other end of the line said one of the stupidest things I'd ever heard in my life. He said, well, there's a women's meeting up here on uh, Saturdays. And I thought, the hell would I want to go to a women's? At this point in my life, women are nothing but backstabbers and gossipers and competition. And they're not nearly as easy to manipulate as men. So I could care less about a women's meeting. And instead, I spent, that was about about the noon meeting at Richardson Group. I now know the gentleman that hung up the phone apparently said, I'm sticking around to see what this crazy woman looks like. And uh, <laughs> and he did. And I have two children with him. And um, my sponsor <laughs> said, okay, we well, you know how this goes because he had recently broken up with his girlfriend and she wrote on the calendar, it will never happen again. And that meant he was never going to date another woman in Alcoholics Anonymous. <sighs> Spoiler alert, he did. So what happened is I spent from noon all day long until about six o'clock that evening, because I went to the 6.30 meeting, six o'clock meeting, I spent all day long doing the very best I could to get enough liquid in that kept coming up as blood, to shower, to put on every diamond I owned, to put on makeup, which you can tell I don't even wear makeup today, fix my hair again, not something I do. But I spent all those hours, I now know, fixing up the outside so that hopefully when I got to that six o'clock meeting, you would not be able to see the inside. I didn't realize what I was doing, but I've been doing it for years. I was playing the game and playing the charade and putting on the mask so that you wouldn't know me because if you knew me, you wouldn't understand and you wouldn't welcome me and you wouldn't like me and you certainly wouldn't have me back. And I, of course, am the only one who has ever felt that way. Um, Something miraculous happened at my very, very, very first meeting. Okay. Well, I'll let you judge. So I, my sponsor and I say, I think I said a prayer. She says no. So as I pull up to the meeting, I said, okay, look, God, I know you don't want me in Alcoholics Anonymous. I know you don't want me here. But just on the off chance that you do, you got to give me something right here, right now, today, in this first meeting, or I'll know you don't want me there. Amen. (laughs) And I I did. I I went to the Richardson group. I, I tried desperately to listen to what they were saying. I heard almost nothing of what anybody said. It sounded a whole lot like, wah, 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 happy wah, 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 all over myself. And then all this laughter, wah, 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 keep coming back, wah, 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 wah. And then I credit Mercedes Bob, somebody said, we're glad you're here, you know, like all of them said. And he said, but you know, really, it's not a big deal to go to your first meeting. The hard one to make is your second meeting. Good luck. And I have so much defiance still today that that that, <laughs> that I accepted the challenge. And I came to the second meeting out of defiance just to prove to him how tough I was by the bootstraps. And I'm so grateful that Crazy Eileen asked me for a ride home that day because I'd proven something at my second meeting. I made it. And um, she asked me to give her a ride home after the meeting. And, you know, me being all powerful, I was able to do something like that. And on our way to her house, she said, you know, what'd you think of the meeting? And I said, oh, it was good. It was good. You know, a lot of hope in that room, which I, like I said, God gave me hope. And she said, oh, are you coming back tomorrow? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Knowing full well, I am not going back because I already proved I could come to the same. She said, oh, great. Will you pick me up for the meeting? And I said, sure. And uh, I took Crazy Eileen to meetings three, four and five before I found out she had a car. <laughs> she she knew I wasn't coming back. And and that's the that's one of the magic to me of this this program is that, you know, if you're new, we probably know more about you than you know about you. Because we've been there. Anyway, that that that's what it was like and what happened. I, I know you don't want to hear my whole one hour version of the story, and I know there's supposed to be Questions at some point, so I'll stop talking, and you know, all you have to do is wave, and I'll shut up.
0: No, you're so good. Um, I love, love, love your your energy and your spirit. The one thing that I did want to talk to you about, which I think is is great, because we talk a lot about relapsing and chronic relapsing on these podcasts. Very rarely do we talk about getting sober the first time, which is not impossible. It can be done. And you're an example of that uh, being a, quote unquote, one chip wonder
1: being sober all of these years. How long have you been sober? How many years? I just picked up my 26 year chip in May. It was a big <laughs>
0: Yes, that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so do you mind uh, speaking to getting sober the first time? Because I do want to offer the women on here hope or the listeners hope. That they don't have like relapse can absolutely be a part of your story, but it does not have to be. This can be your last time in the rooms. So I mean oh. I'm not forever, but
1: you know, you guys understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I totally understand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I love the term one chip wonder. It cracks me up. I I remember being new in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I remember hearing, you know, oh, and this time I've been sober this long. And I remember hearing Um, Well, this time around, it's different because, and I remember hearing, and I, you know, and I went out and did a little experimentation. And I often um, will tell you that my sobriety date is May 7th, 1995, and it's not my fault. And the reason I say that is because God loved the ones of you that are courageous enough to come back. I've been to too many funerals. I know that too many funerals. the fatality of this disease, I, I don't know if it can be stressed enough. But I also know that the ones of you that come back with arrows in your ass saying it's not worth it. It sucks. Man, this is what happened. And and you talk about the bottom getting lower and lower. I mean, I appreciate it because then I don't have to go out and experiment. There's a there's enough experience, strength, and hope behind it that that I don't have to do it. Now I will I will make mention that that I have done plenty of crazy not. Uh, the best decision-making while Stone Cold sober, you know, I've, I've had lo- <laughs> lots of chaos in my life, if you will, here, there, and, and most of it's self-inflicted like the book talks about, you know, um, but I haven't had to pick up that drink again. And I got to tell you the the, the miracle in that and the magnitude of that for me today carries a lot of hope, I feel called, in fact, I was told early on too, if I sit in a room full of women, that that's a lie. If I sit in a room full of alcoholics, women or not, and um, she said, if I hear more than three people use the term relapse or this time or again, that I have to, if, even if I don't want to expand, I have to speak up and say, you know what? My higher power has kept me sober since my very first meeting. It is possible. There is hope. And I hope that that's a message that more people will carry. I mean, my experience is just my experience. I, I can't have yours, but mine is it is absolutely possible. What makes that possible is the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and, uh, and a higher power. And there, there would be a little abby. It's not in the book. There's a little abby to that. And I thought when you said the 12 steps and a higher power, I heard you say the 12 steps perfectly and a higher power. And that's not true in my experience, strength and hope the 12 steps to the best of my ability. And I am very grateful that I had a woman that, that kind of pushed me a little bit, you know, that first, that very first fourth step when I kept saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, have I left anybody out, you know, bricks without mortar? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And she said, you know what, if you did, it'll come to you in that one hour after our fifth step. Or it'll come to you in time to include it on your 10th step. We've got a step for that. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Because she knew for me to sit in that could cause relapse. It had for others. And so if I can, I would encourage you just do. I needed to do the steps to the best of my ability at this time. Because I sit here with, you know, this much time or whatever. And I don't even know how many times I've worked the steps now. I know I do 10 and 11 and 12 daily. But I'm just, I'm just saying, I thought I had to do four perfectly before I could move on to five. And I've seen m- many girls get drunk in that space.
0: Thank you so much. Does anybody have any questions? I know I love it that you talked about, you know, the 12 steps to, to the best of your ability and the higher power. And that's why you've been sober all of these years and living in 10, 11, and 12. One of the things, there's a few things that I do that I want to talk to you about, but correct me if I'm wrong. Did you help start Sisters in Sobriety?
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Do you mind uh, sharing your experience about that whole world that you're in and what
1: you have, what you have done with others in the fellowship? Sure, 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 sure. Okay. So the, the, the book talks about working with others, right? And um, if you even read on page 6970 70, 70 when it's talking about quieting the imperious urge, whenever we're talking about sex and talks about working with others will help when nothing else can. Well, that imperious urge can be sexual. That can be just crazy brain that can, for me. And so working with others, I've found myself very active in several different groups. I know none of you do this, but I have a tendency to judge the messenger and therefore I don't hear the message. So, um, besides having a sponsor and a home group that hold me accountable, I participate in a lot of different groups um, with some regularity. And here in the McKinney area, um, prior to COVID, we had four very strong women's meetings. You heard me talk about earlier, I wasn't interested in a women's meeting when I got here. And uh, I said it was because they were all backbiters and gossipers and competition. And that was true. Because that's what kind of woman I was. I was a backbiter and a competitor and a manipulator. And um, what I have found is the longer I've stayed sober, the, the more amends I've made, especially the living amends that I've made, I have now become a part of this fellowship that is indescribably wonderful. The, the women in this program understand, at least me, like, like, no other girlfriends I have. They know what it's like to be a mom. They know what it's like to work. They know what it's like to be a wife. They know what it's like to be a daughter. They know what it's like to be a sister. So these meetings that were taking place in McKinney at the time, um, there were three. We had started a women's meeting actually a few years before we started Sisters in Sobriety. And the women's meeting was fantastic. I mean, it was just fantastic. It was a standalone group McKinney women's meeting. It's 9 a.m. If you ever want to check it out, I think that they're just... um. They're just Zoom right now. But um, what we found was um, the two main groups in the area at the time were Miracle Group and Fellowship Group, each of which had a women's meeting. Um, And then we started McKinney Women's Meeting, which was just meeting on Saturday mornings. And then there were a group of us that talked about there was a need. And I love, you know, not a coffee pot and a resentment, but there was a need, there was a niche, there was something that was not being spoken to in our area. And that was a women's meeting with child care. There was not one available anywhere in our area. And so sisters in sobriety was formed, if you will, with a coffee pot and a babysitter, not a resentment. We knew that there were women that, and, and I had been a single mom with young kids that desperately needed a meeting, but could not necessarily afford reliable and dependable babysitter care. And so, um, <laughs> Sisters in Sobriety, or Sis, was born, and it just tickles me to see what God can do with one small little mustard seed. It, this this group is so strong now; it is amazing uh, the level of commitment and service, and and unity and recovery that this group uh, experiences. We do a lot of fun stuff too, but our basic our, our basic is that we're here to help women that may not be able to, to, uh, hear the message of hope any other way. We do a lot of fun stuff. I don't know if y'all heard about it or not. Hopefully I see Kristen's on here. My girl, we do, uh, um, quarterly workshops and had our first one, uh, a couple of months ago, and we had a pretty decent turnout, I feel like, and, um, heard some feedback from some different women from uh, the area. I get to work with women in lots of different areas. of got sponsees and all kinds of groups. And, and everything I heard was pretty positive. And once again, you know, free childcare at the workshop. Uh, something else that Sisters and Sobriety does to carry the message is um, annually we do a camp out, like, like for real, like with tents and stuff. But we do it at a local park here in McKinney on purpose because there may be a few who are not hips looking cool with sleeping in a tent so they come and they attend all the speakers and the fun and the frivolity and then they drive home sleep in their comfy air-conditioned bed and then they come back in the morning to do the sunrise and the speakers and the you know the exchange of hope and information it's a it those are two of our biggers we we have a lot of other outreach stuff going on with sisters in sobriety but um, it's been really fun to see what God's done with that group. So far, who knows what's next? That's so cool. I love it, the free the child care. It's just so hard to
0: find that now. And I didn't even know that you guys did that. That's amazing. Okay, so I have a few things I want to ask you, but I'm not sure what I want to ask you first because I don't know if we get everything in. So just because we've never talked about this on a podcast before, one thing that I know about you, because I had some sponsees of mine who were at the camp out last year. Okay. Um, and they talked about that you gave a talk on concepts. Is that right?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, oh, good. I'm so glad you're talking about it. <laughs>
0: uh, just because we've never talked about that before, do you mind talking briefly on the concepts that you talked about and what are the concepts? And
1: just give us a little bit of I don't know, information. Oh, good, good, good. Yes. And I will do my dead level best not to bore anyone. Okay. So when I got sober, there were these two things hanging on the wall. One was the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and one was the 12 traditions. And I admit I could care less about the traditions. The steps were about me and I attended traditions meetings, but they were talking about not me. They, you know, and I'm selfish, self-centered. So see, so I didn't want to talk about the traditions. And the day came when my sponsor said, hang on, Abby, hang on. I want you to go to traditions meetings, and I want you to listen as if they're talking about you and the people you share a roof with. And after we're done with these, we're going to go on to the concepts. And I went, wait, what? What? I don't I don't see a third thing hanging on the wall. I see two things hanging on the wall. I don't even know what you're talking about, the concepts. So um, same with my sponsees. Um, We do the steps, then we do the traditions, then we do the concepts and I will be just blunt, this is an opinion, the concepts can bore me to tears. And I think that's the reason they're not as talked about is because they they tend to almost speak to the the business side of my brain and, and all the boards that I've served on in business world. and And I don't always hear how they apply to me in recovery. And the truth is, Nothing could be farther from the truth without the concepts. I might not be sober today. You know, the steps speak to my recovery. The traditions govern how the groups function, how we, you know, how we don't have a hierarchy, how we don't necessarily kill one another. And the concepts speak to even the next level how we uh, internationally are partners, how we locally are partners, and, and how we work together you know if you've heard bill i'm a nerd that listens to the speakers and stuff online to hear about the history if you listen to how the the traditions and the concepts came to be it's in a preservation mode it's because we want this thing to be here for i hope my children and maybe even my unknown grandchildren someday you know um last year our campout was on 10 10 2020 right and so we had uh, one speaker that spoke on step 10. We had one speak at the camp out. We had one speaker that spoke on tradition 10. And we had one speaker that spoke on concept 10. And I will let you know that part of this speaker seeker on this deal, nobody wanted to talk about the concept because nobody studies it. <laughs> and, um, and I cheated and I continue to cheat. Um, my girlfriends and I get together once a month and there's a little pamphlet that is in cartoon form, I wish I had it with me, it's out in the car, that speaks to the 12 concepts. They originate out of a book about this thick, in pink, it's the the rules, if, and I'm oversimplifying, this is Abby speak, it's the rules that we come together as a congregation, and we talk about what is and isn't, and it changes up from the general service, it changes up in this little pink book, and uh, uh, no, I don't wanna lie, I'm not going to say annually, but it could be annually. It might be biannually. And what's to say, it's a slow process like the traditions teach us. So to, to get my feet wet, I started with the little um, cartoon pamphlet. And that's where I start my girls is with the little cartoon pamphlet. And um, it always comes, it, it always has come to life for me. And I've seen it come to life for girls when I go, okay, how does that apply to you, Abby? How can you use that today in how you behave at home? at work, in in general, in public, not just in the rooms? How can you behave? And just, here you go. Here's a quick plug. Sorry, Steph, you just opened it up. Um, In October this year, we're still doing the same in Irwin Park and McKinney. We're doing the workshop this year, or the camp out this year, is on 10, 8, and 9. We're having the camp out for two nights, the 8th and the 9th. So I'll let you guess which step, traditions, and concepts we're going to be discussing on the 8th and the 9th. Awesome. Thank you so much. What is concept 10? I don't have a clue. I can't even do it. (laughs) Not even a guess.
0: Oh, that's (laughs) so funny. Uh, well, thank you for, um, for telling us about that. It is one of the things that like we push in our next step program to have a home group. If you're on here and you're in next step, you know that, uh, you should hear your coordinator talk about that a lot. And one of the things that I have told them in the past and why it's important to have a home group is because it's so much bigger than just the group. And it's so much bigger than just DFW and just Texas. And so by having a home group, you're able to participate in that much, much bigger picture. You know, so Alcoholics Anonymous can be around and all of those good things. Okay, well, one of the things that I thought was pretty cool about after talking to you briefly, was that, I mean, you practiced 10, 11, and 12. You've said that. You've gone through the steps. But now in your longer-term sobriety, you take something and you study it for a year. Um, And so, and it reminds me of, like, people, like, I have, like, a word for the year, which is okay. this year is, like, seek. And that's kind of what it reminded me of. And you're doing cease fighting anything or anyone. So can you speak to that talk about that um let us know where that even comes from because i'm sure there's going to be listeners or women on here who don't even know what that means um and just talk about what your experience has been with that and all of that good stuff
1: oh good 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 thanks stephanie i'm going to start quizzing some of you ladies next um no um let's talk about it okay so like you said, longer term sobriety. I don't know that I did or didn't do it in early sobriety. And if I did, I don't remember. I'm not trying to be silly about this, but I ask in meditation, you know, where I can focus. And I've done that for as long as I can remember. And, and I will use an example um, because I did just have my birthday in May. So I will use the example of last year my sponsor and I came together and we were talking about and I said, what I keep hearing, what I keep hearing is my usefulness, my usefulness, my usefulness. And um, what a funny year to have that happen because, you know, COVID hit. And so as I explained to her, this is a terrible thing. This is horrible, horrible, horrible. There's, you know, no good thing ever come out of COVID. And obviously, once again, Abby was so wrong. How I I was able to incorporate that throughout the year was several ways. I don't want to give away all my God points, but my usefulness, my usefulness. In other words, asking every morning, like the 11th step prayer, you know, where he wants me, what he wants me to say or do or be, or how I can be useful today. Well, I got way more out of that mantra for last year than we have time to talk about, obviously, but I got way more out of it than I think any other did because it brought me closer to my higher power. And I got to be hyper aware of where he's focusing me. Okay. So um, it was birthday for me last month. And I spent that month in a lot of meditation and saying, okay, Lord, what do you want? What are we talking about this year? And um, my sponsor reaffirmed it. And then I even went to a conference this last weekend in Colorado and I heard the speaker talk about And so what what that looks like for me for this upcoming year, this uh, year of sobriety is where the book talks about cease fighting anyone and anything. And um, what little scratch I've made in a month is I am becoming so aware of you know, the, the the challenges of life, it, it's not, it's not, it's not the challenge in and of itself. For me, it's my resistance to the challenge of whatever life is. And I mean, I am I, a normal human being. I mean, people hack me off just just driving. People hack me off that live under the same roof that I do. People irritate me. And that doesn't have anything to do with them. I have no control over them. What I have any voice in is here, you know, just like the serenity prayer talks about and boiling it down to what is mine. Um, Just like the fourth column gets to what part do I play? Um, Because by addressing some of that, I am learning that I, what what does it say? We don't burn up the time foolishly. I don't, I don't have to get all wrapped around the axle about something (laughs) that most of the time Nobody else is even aware happened. You know, I will also tell you that this cease fighting anyone, anything, and maybe there's much more to be revealed. I don't know. I've got 10 more months of this that I've learned that however big the investment is, is however big the payoff is. And what I mean by that is like if somebody hacks me off in driving, okay, and I flip them off or yell some obscenity or something, that that's exactly how big the payoff was and how big the irritation was. It was very short lived. I got irritated. I got over it. It's done. There's not there's not always a giant lesson in that, other than Abby. Seriously, but like the stuff that I find myself on my knees, snot slinging, ugly crying over before I let go of, and go, God, please help, please help. I don't want this. I don't want to fight. I don't want to be right. That's how big the lesson has been for me and how big the payoff has been for me is uh, the stuff with claw marks on it definitely has a lot more reward for me for now. I'd like to know, okay, you can quiz me all you want, but I know a lot of the girls are listening in. I'd like to know first, if there's anybody on here that is a one chip wonder. Second, if there's anybody who knows a one chip wonder And third, if there's anybody on here that has or has ever experienced a mantra or a focus, you said something about a word and I've, I've, I've sponsored girls that go to Maggie's. So I, I mean, I don't know, how long do you guys keep your word?
0: Well, that's just something I do in my personal life. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they do in the house, they do get like spiritual principles assigned every day. And that's just something that they focus on that day is a certain spiritual principle. So, and then we also do that next step too. They get assigned spiritual principles and they focus on that spiritual principle for the whole week.
1: Okay. For a week. So I'm to believe that everybody on here has a word for the week. Will you let me know if you're a one ship wonder and what your word is? I don't know if we have any one ship wonders on here.
0: I actually am a one ship wonder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Woo-hoo.
1: my word is perseverance Ooh, good one thanks delia what about you mandy so i'm not a one chip wonder
0: i've been through the house twice and um, it's the only treatment i've ever had my sponsor is a one chip wonder and um i hold on to that very tightly my word is courage because i'm making amends this week and um I'm in next step, and, and Kelsey decided that that would be a good word for me, which is what I prayed about, and that's the word that came to me, too. So it worked out well.
1: Cool.
2: Patrice. Uh, I'm not a one-chip wonder, but we do have a lady here that chairs uh, meetings and does a lot for the MacGillan House. Her name is Tina S., and she is a one-chip wonder, and I think she has about how many years? seven like seven years so she would be the one that i know that has the most sobriety as a one chip wonder because it's just not that common
1: mm-hmm. what's your word girlfriend
2: uh, my word for this week is service
1: service that's a good one that's a good one Who? Yeah. misty
2: hey misty um alcoholic
0: no, not a one chip wonder. I actually relapsed after almost 20 years of sobriety. Um, and so, yeah, because I got away from this program. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of those stories. Um, and quit doing what worked, you know, and was heavily involved in AA for years. My word for this week was honesty, um, which is really good for me. I'm just trying to truly, like, practice in a, a rigorous program of honesty. And I've thought about that word every single day. And it's amazing how little stuff I'm like, is that really honest? (laughs) You know, so I'm really grateful. This is my first week in um, Next Steps. So I have three weeks sober today, actually. So I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, I'm really grateful. So this was awesome. I didn't know it was a podcast today. So this is amazing.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Misty. How about you, Lisa? Hi. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much. This is great. Um, I am not a one chip wonder. Um, I love what you said about the girls getting hung up at that fourth step, because that so resonates with me. But and my word this week is uh, perseverance. Mm. Thank you.
0: And Chloe is a one ship wonder, Kristen.
2: Yes, she is. Uh, yeah, she got.
0: Oh, I know that. She got sober at seventeen. Oh wow! So and then uh, Kristen's word is is meditate, which brings me to the next question I want to ask you is because last year your focus was on meditation. And so can you share your experience around that?
1: Oh, what a good one. Okay. Well, let me start by saying all of you are better than I am at meditating because I just flat couldn't do it. I am, you may be able to tell, I don't know. I tend to be a very high energy person. And what you see is a small portion of what happens here and goes and goes and goes and goes. goes. So when I first uh, was approached with the idea of prayer and meditation, I was like, got it, I have memorized every prayer. I come from a very religious background that I have no problems with and I have memorized several prayers and books and I got this. And and she explained to me that prayer is uh, talking to God and meditation is listening to God. And I said, okay, okay. And she said, have you ever had a friend come up and and ask you, hey, what do you think about that new show on Thursday night, seven o'clock? Do you like it? And leave. (laughs) I said, "What, what do you do? She said, that's what you keep doing to your higher power. You keep getting all excited and verbally vomiting on him. And then you leave. You usually say amen first. She said, you ask him and ask him and ask him, Hey, will you please keep me sober? And will you please help with the kids? And will you please help with my husband and please help with the job? Amen. And I'm out. So my meditation life was damn near non-existent in the beginning. And I will tell you, it stayed that way for quite some time because then when she explained, you know, sit still and listen to God and, you know, start with just a couple of minutes, I'm like, dude, I can't make a couple of seconds. Okay. And I feel stupid when I'm doing it. So, um, True confession, it's not in the book. My very first experience with meditation was blow drying my hair. She said, you will start your meditation process while you are blow drying your hair in the morning. That way you're not listening to the sounds outside of you. That way you are not called to go switch the laundry. You are not, you know, eating, making a list. You don't have a free hand to be writing or journaling. You're going to listen for God with the hairdryer. And, um, and thank God they didn't make a cordless one because I wouldn't have stayed put. And I will tell you little by slow, what med- meditation looks like today compared to then is light years better. However, I do believe there's plenty of room, plenty of room for improvement in that area. I believe that, um, you know, I'm quite capable of actually sitting still now, um, not forever, but for some time and listening I will tell you that for me, uh, what helped the most was there was a meeting at Legacy Group on Friday afternoons that that taught this meditation type approach. In other words, the chairperson read a topic or whatever and then set a timer and, and dimmed the lights and we were quiet. Uh, I wanna say for like 15 or 20 minutes, I don't know. and um, And it was wonderful. It was wonderful to be in a room full of people practicing. And I will tell you that what meditation looks like today is um, it also doesn't necessarily have to do with a perfect breathing pattern or a perfect position or a perfect lighting. Although I have found all those things to be helpful by all means, but what meditation looks like today is a sincere friendship with my higher power where I don't just verbally vomit and ask him all these questions and then leave today. I ask questions and I then sit and listen. And I will tell you that it changes up from time to time that, that usually morning meditation, more so than evening meditation, morning meditation usually looks like for me, good morning, God. And then I listen. Cause if you read it on in the big book where it talks about, we usually conclude with prayer I read it as we're supposed to meditate first and pray second. Um, and I could be wrong. I mean, that's just my experience. But um, that's more what it looks like in the mornings. And in the evenings, a lot of time what it looks like is a little shorter because I tend to fall asleep if I meditate as long in the evening. <laughs> I'm exhausted after a long day. I know I'm the only one. Um, but what it usually looks like is I'll, I'll uh, check in and ask, you know, hey, what'd you think about today? And then I listen and I have been given, um, I don't want to weird anybody out, but I have been given strong convictions at times to pick up the phone that it not for me, but for them. And I've even learned how to be obedient enough to call up women and say, listen, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I'm supposed to call you. And I have not been disappointed one single time when I've been obedient, not once. And, and that's, that's a lot. I have, however, been disappointed when I'm not obedient, when I didn't call the person. And I find out later that it probably would have benefited that person as much as me as to what was actually happening that day in their life, you know, but uh, does that answer the question on meditation? Do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I have another question as far as that stuff goes. Is like, so that's what you're, con- you're focusing on throughout the year. So or, do you bring that focus to the forefront every day? Or like if somebody wanted to adopt that practice, like what would the direction?
1: Oh, that's right? a cool question. I never really thought about it. Um, I like it. I like the idea. As a human being, I will tell you, I don't do anything every single day perfect. You know what I mean? I mean, I have been driving to work before and go, I forgot to hit my knees this morning, you know? And I'll talk to him while driving. Good dude, I am so sorry, you know, over whatever. As far as a practice, I would say one of the things I've put in place is is going on some sort of a camp out or a hike either with a smaller or a big group, because nature for me is what speaks to me. It's how I get a lot closer to my higher power. And um, that practice of once a month, getting away from the electronics, getting away from the daily routine. Sometimes it's just for an afternoon. Sometimes it's for a weekend to camp. And focusing on that step, tradition, and concept that month and what it looks like in my life right now, right here today. Um, As far as like an intention, maybe I lean too heavily on my sponsor, but, but I still to this day run it past her and go, hey, I know that you can see underneath my chair a whole lot better than I can see underneath my chair. When I go to look at it, first of all, it's a little distorted. Second of all, there may be some things blocked. She can see clearly under my chair. So, yeah, when I when I, we were talking yesterday, actually, <laughs> about, you know, what does it look like to cease fighting? And uh, she gave me a couple of pointers that I'm working on stepping away from some of the permanent, if you will, or um, time consuming obligations. I uh, one of the things that I, I stepped down as general chairperson um, at our next meeting for CIS and I you know roll off the board um, as a trusted servant. And so she and I talked because I, I serve in my church, I serve in my home group. And I start, And we talked about maybe how, what does it look like to take on an obligation that is not so time consuming? What if it's, I just get to bring a meal to Maggie's once a month, or what if it's, I just do one overnight, you know, a month or whatever. And so to bring it into consciousness, I not only meditate about it, but I trust what she tells me. Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, I love it so much. And I love, you know, you've been sober all these years and you're still being connected with the sponsor. Like, I think that's wonderful. I think you have been such a a good example of what long-term recovery can look like, which I think is very, very inspiring and hopeful. Does anybody have any questions? Okay. Um, so we're getting close to the top of the hour. My first question before the wrap up question would be, what has been the biggest gift that your recovery has given you the past over the 26 years you've been sober?
1: Who hands down. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything even close to the ballpark, but it's a relationship with a higher power. You know, I mean, I mean, like the book talks about, I'm not great at relationships. I'm just not, I'm, you know, I'm dominating or I'm, you know, and, and, and this relationship that I have with my higher power today is, is, is indescribable. It's unimaginable. Um, It's knowing that, you know, it's not going to be okay. (laughs) It's not, it's already okay. Right here, right now, this very moment, it's okay. And the rest is none of my business. It's up to my higher power. That relationship is not what I was looking for, but it is the biggest gift.
0: Amazing. Thank you. Does anybody have a question?
1: Okay. Yeah, y'all need to talk more because I'm beginning to wonder if these are alcoholics. Usually alcoholics will talk about themselves. But the
0: talk about you.
1: Uh, okay. Oh,
0: so that's probably maybe why. But Patrice has a question. Look at that cute
2: girl. Hey girl. Um I do have a question about yes, um your family. So your husband is in recovery too. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about a little bit about the challenges of having a husband in recovery too? And mm-hmm. by the way guys, he is absolutely just as awesome as she is. <laughs> he is. <laughs>
1: I, I think he is. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you one of the funnies about uh, my husband's name is Cole. And um he is about to let me see. He's about to celebrate 29 years. And um, he was actually there when I walked in the Richardson group. So, you know, don't believe everything he says. But um, I love that you bring that up. I think I think a lot of times as as women were called to keep the peace in the house and, um, and that's not always easy. And now that my chaos has cleaned up some, if you will, I still got his chaos. And, uh, and I will tell you that the, the strength of our marriage is the, is the three it's Cole, Abby and our higher power. And, um, I, I, everybody's different. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm telling you, we get up every morning and we pray together. Um, even, even when he ain't acting right, we still pray together. (laughs) And, um, I will tell you that we, we use a lot of the phrases in the book for, for that time out. In other words, I'm allowed to say, you know what, when he's like, what's wrong with you? And I can say things like nothing I'm prepared to discuss right this minute. I could do a lot more harm than good right this minute. I need a breather. I'll be back, you know, but I will tell you that, uh, we do sleep with our phones on and, uh, it's, it's double the blessing, the number of phone calls that we get, we still get middle of the night phone calls and we still get people that need food and we still get (sighs) people that just need. And it's kind of cool to know who's going to go do the 12 step call with me when it's 3.00 AM, you know, or 9.00 PM, which is like 3.00 AM when you're in your fifties. But, uh, The the gift of the program has been a marriage like any, there's no no way to describe it. I mean, I I love that that some of you are married to normies and and I understand that they don't get it and they don't have to, they're not, you know, they're not going to die, but my man gets it and he understands and we can be, in fact, we were in the middle of a heated discussion one evening (laughs) and there was a 12 step call. And it was out the window because we know what comes first, you know. This disease can kill you; it really can. And we're only as sick as our secrets. And how wonderful it is to be able to share that with the the man I share eternity with, you know. So it's pretty cool.
2: Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, Now you have children, but were you in your addiction at any time during their childhood, or you were?
1: No, they were still raised by an alcoholic mama. I just didn't have any vodka in my body at the time. <laughs> you know, I don't require alcohol to be stupid. I can still fly off the handle about not unpacking your school bag. And I can still fly off the handle about being ungrateful for the food in front of you. And I can still fly off the handle when I step on a Lego in the middle of the night that I told you to pick <laughs> up. That does not require vodka. But but I will tell you that that, you know... My children never saw me pick up a drink. My boys are sixteen and eighteen now, mm-hmm. And I do remember when they became of that, because I never knew how to bring it up. I mean, i I didn't know how to tell a toddler. Mommy goes to meetings. and i and I prayed about, you know, God show me what you want me to say and when you want me to say it. And I had a a, a moment with my youngest sitting in the front seat of the car. <laughs> And he was like 13 and he's watching some video and he said, God, I can't wait until I turn 21. I'm going to get wasted. And I was like, (laughs) okay. And he looked at me and he said, I mean, I know you don't drink, but why? And I said, well, mommy's an alcoholic. I said, and daddy's an alcoholic and you need to be careful because you might've won the DNA lotto. Mm -hmm. And he said, huh? Huh? Was there a test I can take to find out if I'm (laughs) one? And I said, yes, and it's hidden in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. You'll have to read it for yourself, but there is a test. So we'll we'll see.
2: Uh, I love that. Okay. Thank you.
0: Well, this has been um, wonderful. I do, uh, before we ask the wrap-up question, want to give a little shout out to our listeners that if you have enjoyed this podcast with Abby or any of our other podcasts, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. And leave a review. It does help us reach more alcoholic women, uh, which is ultimately our mission here is to give experience, strength, and hope to the alcoholic who is still suffering. So, um, Abby, my wrap up question is, if you could leave us with one takeaway, if you don't hear anything I say, hear this, what would the one takeaway you'd wanna leave
1: us with? Ooh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) Uh, One takeaway would be, I think that for me, it would have to do with the unity. I was told early on by a woman that her entire life, she felt like a zebra in a world full of horses that I can play the roles and I can get by and nobody can necessarily tell at church or at work or whatever. But deep down in my heart, I knew for a fact that I, feel different than you feel. I think different than you think. I behave different than you behave. And I've got all these secrets that these horses don't need to know about, but I'm trying to fit in and look like and act like. And the day that I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I went, oh my God, here's all the other zebras. These people finished my thoughts and sentences. You know, jump in. If you're a zebra, join the rest of us, man. It's a, it's a great life. It's a great life. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yes. Awesome. And uh, we have someone in actually our Maggie's community that we refer to as our little zebra because she talks about the herd. So yeah. that's wonderful. And um, thank you everyone who's, who is here, everyone who listened uh, please know that we did talk about uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous and Abby and, And Abby's experience with the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. However, we do not represent Alcoholics Anonymous. We represent the Magdalene House, which has no affiliation with Alcoholics Anonymous. However, we do use a curriculum that is outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So thank you everyone for listening and everyone for being here. Abby, it was so great to meet you and uh, I hope you guys have a wonderful day. All right.
2: Bye. Thank you, Abby. Bye. Thanks. Thanks y'all.
0: This podcast is from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholic women. We are a nonprofit organization located in Dallas, Texas, and we provide comprehensive recovery services to alcoholic women at absolutely no
2: cost. You can learn more and support our mission at magdalenehouse.org.